powered by Pella Windows and Doors. If you need a new window or a new door, take it from me, someone who just had Pella at my house, put in a new bay window and front door. You got to go with Pella. Check out the showrooms, Omaha and Lincoln, or online at PellaOmaha.com. And the Nick Bob Podcast is powered by Shoot360 Lincoln. We're the world's most advanced basketball training facility. We use NBA-level technology inside of our facility that tracks every single ball handling, passing, and shooting rep you take. I am the owner along with my brother, and what we are building is something truly special. Uh, fourth grade rookies are welcome all the way up to high-level college pro and pros. Shoot 360 can unlock your game. I love the shooting technology. The splash meter is a literal cheat code to becoming a better shooter. You can get up to 300 to 400 shots in 30 minutes on our automatic rebounding machines. The splash meter tech is tracking every shot you take, giving you real-time feedback to perfect your jump shot. To become a member... All you got to do, you can schedule your first free one-hour workout at shoot360.com backslash Lincoln. Do it today. All right. It is Tuesday, January 30th. They got a good pod on deck for you. Uh, we're, we're heavy Huskers today. I got a thought on Dylan Riola that I want to get into, but I want to start with this. So over the weekend, Nebraska lost on the road again at Maryland, and you know the game was wasn't like it was one of those games where it just was it got away from them right away. It was fairly even for the first 10 minutes or so of the game and then then the game just completely flipped and Maryland went on a run and never looked back. Nebraska loses 73-51 and the road issues for Nebraska are starting to become a a pretty big concern. Their road record on the season in true road games just 1 and 5. They did win at Kansas State in December but they're over in conference play on the road. They lost at Minnesota, at Wisconsin, at Iowa, at Rutgers, and now at Maryland. And it's honestly sometimes like it's two different teams. Like the team you watch at Pinnacle Bank Arena versus the team you watch at Carver Hawkeye Arena or at, uh, I think it's now Jersey Mike's uh, Arena for Rutgers or, or wherever. Like it just seems like it's almost two different teams. And trying to diagnose the issues for Nebraska on the road, I've kind of identified four things now there's a lot to it I mean there's just a lot that goes to in into winning and losing a basketball game but I've identified four things offensive rebounds turnovers the three-point line and then emotional leadership offensive rebounds turnovers three-point defense and then emotional leadership let's go through each of those so offensive rebounds been a big problem for Nebraska when they've gone on the road, in particular in conference play. You know, it's it, you, you look at it, they're not a bad rebounding team. Like, at, at home, they've, they've been okay, but on the road, they've struggled to keep other Big Ten teams off the offensive glass. If you look at just the Big Ten losses, uh, Maryland got 17 offensive rebounds. Rutgers had 25 offensive rebounds. Iowa had nine, Wisconsin had seven, and Minnesota had 13 offensive rebounds. Now, the offensive rebound numbers in the Iowa and Wisconsin games aren't bad, but that's also because Iowa and Wisconsin both shot over 50% from the field for the game, so there weren't just very many misses to, to go grab. But to go onto the road the last two times at Rutgers, at Maryland, and give up 17 offensive rebounds at Maryland and 25 at Rutgers, I mean, that's concerning. And again, what's it's it's not like you go, well, this is a bad rebounding team. What do you expect when they go on the road? They're going to struggle. No, this isn't a terrible, uh, terrible team on the glass when they're at home. 
And maybe it's the the energy and the effort. The, maybe it's the energy that that gives the team a little bit more effort when they're at Pinnacle Bank Arena. And maybe it's the the fact that they're not getting that that home crowd bump. Maybe that's a factor. I've also I, I think that's potentially real. I think some of it is when you know from a schematic standpoint when you're trapping the post the way Nebraska does they trap it from the baseline and you're loading to the basketball they really flood to the side of the of the, so if the ball's on the right wing they're going to have almost all five guys flooded to the right side of the floor when you when you play that way you can get out of position rebounding wise to put a body on on guys or you're cross matched and all of a sudden you have Sam Hoiberg on Julian Reese or you know, all of a sudden, uh, Ben Cricky has got Kasey Tominaga on him, and and it's a problem. So some of it could be that. Certainly, the Jawan Gary injury is a part of this too. But it's not like Gary's been hurt for all these losses. He got hurt in the second half of that Rutgers game, and then didn't play at Maryland. So you get you can't just gloss over that. But either way, it's a trend that has to get better on the road. Offensive rebounds, the first thing that stands out to me. The other thing that's 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 trending is turnovers. And I do. I remember early on in the year, I, I had a couple of of early games in November and December for uh, for Nebraska. Had the Ryder game, the Duquesne game, and I remember talking to to Fred Hoiberg at shoot around and and just kind of asking him, you know, what are what he's concerned with as as they get into the season. And he did mention turnovers, and it really hadn't popped up until the season as it's it's kind of progressed into into conference play and it's reared its ugly head on the road here. Maryland, Nebraska had 18 turnovers. Rutgers, 13 turnovers. Iowa, 8 turnovers. Wisconsin, 12 turnovers. And then at Minnesota, the Huskers turned it over 18 times. I mean, it's just, I, you, I, I added it all up. It's hard to win on the road when you have a negative assist-to-turnover ratio, and that's what Nebraska has in their five road conference losses. 68 assists to 69 turnovers. Almost 14 turnovers a game. When you have more turnovers than assists, you're gonna have a, you're, you're really going to have a hard time. I do think some of this is about a lack of an elite point guard. I've always felt like, based on my experiences in college basketball, playing at Kansas, playing at Creighton, now being involved in broadcasting on a national level for FS1, this is my 10th year, I see a lot of teams that go on the road and they perform well. I see teams that go on the road and they they take it on the chin. I I, I see a lot of it. I think a lot of, of your ability to go on the road and perform comes down to how good of a point guard do you have. I really think some of this goes back to that. Because when you're on the road, you need your your floor general to be able to put that ball under his arm and, and calm everybody down and handle it and get everybody set into their spots, get peop, get the ball to people where they where they need to get it. I think some of this comes back to a lack of 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 elite point guard play. I think point guard play really matters on the road in a hostile environment. Road environments, the crowd. To me, the first thing when people talk about, boy, that crowd really impacted the game, the first impact that the road environments and the crowd has is on is typically decision-making. And that can be on a variety of fronts. It can be decision-making for errant passes, for shot selection, 
But I just think in general, like how you're processing things, and that that's where it becomes a problem. So I do think turnovers it has has become a trend, and I think a lot of it is is point guard play. By the way, I am kind of surprised more teams haven't tried to heat Nebraska up. Now you got to be built that way, like that's got to be a part of what you do. Maryland runs some three quarter court press, and they got the personnel to try to get into the ball and all those sorts of things. But I'm kind of surprised that more teams haven't tried to heat Nebraska up more. I think Jamarcus Lawrence is the only capable ball handler against pressure, and even he isn't great. But like guys like Tominaga is like more of like he's like a two or three dribble guy. CJ Wilcher is like a two or three dribble guy. Bryce Williams, like all those Wilcher, Bryce Williams, Tominaga, they're good at handling the ball to create a shot. There's a big difference between handling the ball to create a shot versus handling the ball to break pressure or to handle pressure. So, either way, turnovers have been an issue. The other th- issue, the next big thing is three, the three-point line, and that is mainly three-point defense, so three's given up. It's funny, I, I talked to a coach recently about Nebraska, another college basketball coach, and his line to me when I, I, I was talking to him about Nebraska, he said, you know, you, you have to make threes against them. And I've talked about this with the way they defend, trapping the post, loading to the ball. They're, Nebraska is willing to flood and trap the post and flood towards the ball in, in an effort to protect the paint and protect the rim. They're willing to give up maybe some weak side threes. Now, they want to ideally take away both and at least go contest, right? But the reality is they're, they're, the opposite side of the floor is available for open threes. And if you play Nebraska, you're probably going to get 15 to 20 decent looks from three if you devise it right and handle it and see it and deliver it. Can you make them? Well, Iowa, Maryland, and Wisconsin, and Creighton for that matter, just thinking about the losses, they all hit threes. In total, five conference road losses for Nebraska, teams have hit an average of almost 12 threes a game. That's a that that's a real factor to watch. And, and listen, that has just as much to do. I mean, that's home road, it doesn't matter. But teams typically shoot it better at home. So it it stands to reason that, you know. Maryland, who's not a great three-point shooting team, but they're at home and they got a bunch of wide-open threes, they're gonna, they, they might splash a few and have a hot day. So the three-point line and three-point defense has, has become a thing on the road. And then the last thing I talked about was I, I listed was emotional leadership. And when I say leadership, this isn't about like Fred Hoiberg necessarily or the coaching staff. Like this is more of a, of a player thing because the reality is Fred – Fred Hoiberg, he's not an emotional guy. He's maybe one of the most even keel, cool, calm guys you'll you'll ever come across. So he's he's not going to go all raw, raw for the guys. I, I'm hard pressed to believe that he's in the locker room giving the Al Pacino game of you know the inches any given Sunday inches speech to him. You know, like that's just not who he is. But the reality is, and you've heard this cliche all the time: when on the road, you got to bring your own energy. And I just feel like at times on the road, this team comes out and they're just a little flat. 
Now, I'm not saying they need to be over the top going crazy out there with emotion, but I do wonder about that element on this roster of emotional leadership, and sometimes that really reveals itself on the road. It's not as big a deal at home when you got 14,000 people inside Pinnacle Bank Arena going crazy. That's going to infuse energy into you. But when you're on the road and it's flipped, sometimes that's a little bit harder. Like, what's funny is I actually sometimes felt like it was easier for me to get up on the road. Like, I liked the I liked the hostile the hostility of it. That got me like locked in. But not everybody's everybody's wired different, right? But I wonder about emotional leadership. Like Josiah Alec plays with with energy. Juwan Gary does too. Sam Hoiberg plays really hard. Tominaga kind of always is just doing his own thing with his antics and excitement. But I just wonder when adversity strikes on the road. You know, Maryland goes on a 10-0 run. You know, Wisconsin goes on a 12-0 run. Iowa's rolling. On the floor, huddling up. What players talking, taking charge, calming people down? What players problem-solving out there? I feel like an on-the-floor problem-solver, leader, emotional kind of air conditioner, thermostat that set the temperature. They don't react to it. They set it. I feel like though that it, some of that's lacking with this team on the road. You know, your personality matters when you go on the road, collectively too. So that's how I I diagnose some of the road issues for for Nebraska right now. Offensive rebounds been an issue. Turning over the ball's been an issue. Three point line, three point defense been an issue, and then leadership, in particular from the players. When there's only if. If you need the crowd to pump you up, or you need Fred Hoiberg to give an amazing speech, get you pump, like that, then then this that, that's that's a problem. You got to get yourself up. Got to get you ready. Get, you got to bring your own energy. You got to bring your own focus. You got to bring others with you. So that that's how I see some of the road issues, you know, and and to continue to make the NCAA tournament case, you know, as strong as possible. Nebraska has to start performing better on the road. When you think about that resume, that that road record and how you perform away from home is definitely something that the NCAA Tournament Selection Committee looks at, and they look at it close. And right now, Nebraska has some serious work to do with improving that part of their resume, improving their road performance picture. If you look at it, Nebraska's remaining road games, they're at Illinois, at Northwestern, at Indiana, at Ohio State, and at Michigan. You have two NCAA tournament teams for sure in Illinois and Northwestern, so those are going to be really, really tough games, but good opportunities as well. And then we'll see how teams like Indiana, Ohio State, Michigan finish the season and what kind of, you know, where they're at by the time Nebraska comes and visits them. The other thing I was thinking about with Nebraska, too, is I've... I think Nebraska's balance with their roster has been, for the most part, a positive thing. Like that, they're they're one of those teams that, you know, they 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 are so they have so many different guys that could potentially lead them in scoring. That if one guy has an off night, it's not necessarily the end of the world, right? The fact that this team isn't just totally reliant on one guy to carry the load every single night. Like, Northwestern needs Boo Booey. 
If he struggles, they're in big trouble. And the fact that Nebraska has, you know, four, five, six guys that could all hurt you and really, really make a big impact is positive, right? Obviously. So all that is good. But I, when I was, I was thinking more about Nebraska and this element, and yes, balanced scoring is good. But you know what else is also good? It's also nice to know you can pencil in 15 to 20 points from someone every night. Right now, who can you really do that with with Nebraska? You can't really I don't know if there's anyone you can absolutely say, well, you know, you, you know Rink Mast is getting you 18 tonight. <sighs> I don't know. I mean, there's something comforting about knowing before the game tips off, player X is definitely going to get 15 to 20. Game tips off, Bill Self can be like, well, Kevin McCullough is going to get 17. I could just, just write that down. Just was was thinking about that element with this team, too. Like, I love the balance, but it also, and you love that, that Nebraska is reliant on one guy, but sometimes it is nice to know that one dude, like, you can just be like, that guy's going to get 20 tonight. So now it's a big stretch. Big stretch of games for, for Nebraska. Got Wisconsin at home on Thursday night, and then at Illinois, at Northwestern. Those are the the next three games for Nebraska. That's as tough of a stretch as the Big Ten has to offer other than playing Purdue. So it's a huge stretch. Hopefully, Nebraska can get Juwan Gary back healthy, and then Nebraska needs to, to remedy some of their road woes because they will be tested big time at Northwestern and at Illinois. I still think Nebraska is in good NCAA tournament shape. You look at a lot of the bracketologists, a lot of I've seen some nine seeds, you see some 10 seeds, you see some 11 seeds, depending on what you look at. Obviously not a lock at this point. But again, like I said, that Purdue win is quite the feather in Nebraska's cap. If they're they're on on that bubble in that 10 or 11 seed range, nobody will have a better win than Nebraska will. And right now, if you look at it, if you look at Ken Palm, just looking at, I'm looking at Nebraska's Ken Palm sheet. Here's how Ken Palm projects the rest of the season for Nebraska. Wisconsin, loss. At Illinois, loss. At Northwestern, loss. Michigan at home, win. Penn State at home, win. At Indiana, win. Minnesota at home, win. At Ohio State, loss. Rutgers at home, win. At Michigan, loss. So Ken Palm right now, projects Nebraska to finish 20 and 11 and 10 and 10 in conference play at the end of the regular season. And man, I got to think 20 I got to think 20 wins, 10 Big 10 conference wins and a win over a likely number 1 seed in Purdue. I think that gets Nebraska in the tournament in that scenario. Now, obviously, other what else happens around the rest of college basketball matters in all this too, right? It's not like Nebraska is operating like in a its own individual world, like there are other things going on. So we'll see. And I'll say this to wrap it up as before I get to some thoughts on Dylan Rayla. Is it? It's amazing the anxiety around Nebraska's team this season in terms of the ups and downs. Like, this has almost been football-like 
in its roller coaster of emotions type of a season, right? Riding really high after wins, and the sky is really falling after losses. It's kind of been wild. Now, I will say a part of that is the fact of how it's looked. Like a part of the of all that is the fact that when Nebraska has won, it's looked and felt really good. Remember that Oregon State game in Sioux Falls? It looked like looked like a a top 25 team. Michigan State win at home. Kansas State win on the road. Then obviously beating Purdue at home and storming the floor. The Northwestern win on, on Alumni Weekend in front of Danny Knee. Ohio State, that win. Rink Mass goes off for 34 points. So when Nebraska's won, it's looked like spectacular at times. But man, the losses have been kind of jarring. Right, Creighton comes to town, blows the doors off Nebraska. Minnesota second half collapse. Iowa after beating Purdue, get they go to Carver Hawkeye and get blown out. Rutgers triple OT blew a double digit lead, didn't score for like nine minutes. Maryland go on the road, give up a whole bunch of offensive rebounds, turn it over a bunch, get blown out. So how the how the games have looked too have kind of fueled the. The fan roller coaster of emotions too, but it's just been a it's been a wild season in that regard. I'll be on the call, by the way, for Nebraska and Wisconsin on BTN. I'll be with Kugler. Can't wait. It's going to be a great game. I cannot wait. It's a huge game. It's a huge game. Okay, let me shift to uh, Dylan Raiola. I was I was thinking about Dylan Raiola. And I was thinking about Raiola, Raiola and all the hype around him. And that, and, and I, I thought about just this simple fact that, like, Dylan Raiola is a 18-year-old true freshman who's never played a down at Nebraska. And he's the face of the program right now. As, from a player standpoint, not uh, excluding rule and the coaches. I'm talking from a player standpoint. I don't know, from a player standpoint, who else would – you'd put above him. Like, sure, Ty Robinson and the Polar Bear are good players, but I don't think those guys are the, are the faces of the program over Riola. He just arrived in Lincoln, and he is instantly the face of the program. You look at, you look at him, and you know, he'll come to a Nebraska basketball game, and he's getting standing ovations. He's with, sitting with John Cook, and then he's, he's with Trev Alberts. He's, he's the guy. And all that is fine, and all that makes sense. Five-star quarterback, legacy recruit, number one quarterback in the country. I get it. We all get it. But I was thinking about that, and what's important is that Dylan Raiola gets it. And when I say get it, I mean he gets what comes with all of that hype and all that attention and being the face of the program you hope he gets that the the most important thing and when you receive all of that is that he pours himself into being a good teammate and that he truly commits and pours himself into being a ridiculously hard worker like the hardest worker and that he pours himself into being well liked and earning people's respect in that locker room. 
to me, not that Dylan Raiola asked or Dominic Raiola's asked or Matt Rule has asked me, but if I had one, like if Dylan Raiola for some reason bumped into me at Runza and said, hey, man, you got any, any advice for me as before I, I get this thing cracking? I would say, yes, your main focus maybe more than anything else this winter and even into spring ball, is winning over your teammates. You need to be the first one there, work extremely hard. Be, you need to be one of the guys, humble, outgoing, establish relationships with all of your teammates. That would be my advice to him. Now, I'm not saying he has to be best friends with everyone, right? You don't need to be BFFs with a teammate to respect them and want to go to battle with them and have their back. But Dylan Raiola needs to make sure that all that hype and all that attention is met with hard work, being a great teammate, and winning over his teammates. Because what will rub everyone the wrong way and could become an issue is if Dylan Raiola, you know, he's gonna he gets handed the starting quarterback job, he gets all this pub, he gets all this fame, he gets all this love, but he's not really a hard worker. He's got a little bit of an ego. He doesn't establish relationships with his teammates. Then the 18-year-old hotshot freshman quarterback, like all that stuff could become problematic. Now, I've taught, this isn't a new thought, but I've just thought about it more because I mentioned some of this stuff to, to Bo Rude when we, we recorded some pods after Dylan Raiola came back into the equation and ultimately signed with Nebraska. I mentioned this to Bo, and he brought up a good point that Dylan Raiola comes from an offensive lineman family. Obviously, his dad, O-lineman, his uncle, O-lineman. Anybody that's been on a football team or has been around football players understands that offensive linemen, they're just like the best dudes in the world. They just are. They are, those guys are typically the foundation of hard work, sacrifice, Super tight-knit, relationship-oriented, unbelievable bond. They got no ego. It's hard to have an ego as an O-lineman. It's hard to want, like, be a me-me-me person as an O-lineman, right? I mean, you're in the trenches doing stuff so, you know, the little 5'11 scat back can go run for 80 yards and get all the everybody cheering his name. Like, that's kind of – O-linemen are just built different. I love offensive line. So I would think, even though he's a quarterback – Dylan Raiola has some offensive lineman blood pumping through his veins, has some offensive lineman in his mentality, and he needs to lean into that. So again, my advice to Dylan Raiola would be his main focus right now, in my opinion, has to back up all the hype and attention and fame and notoriety with being the best damn teammate on the team. Pour yourself into the team and everyone else. Make sure they know that you are one of the guys and that you are coming in with a humble attitude and that you work. And then you need to try to build relationships with everyone. Earn everyone's respect and trust through hard work and dedicating to the squad, right? I've always believed I've always believed that the quarterback position, the quarterback spot is different in that there are non-negotiable leadership qualities and responsibilities that every high-level quarterback must have. 
I know this sounds kind of weird, but like the quarterback feels like the one position on the team that everyone on the on the team kind of has to like. And that's not always the case, but like kind of feels like it's the one position on the team that like you need to be arguably the most popular guy on the team. And when you combine the quarterback spot with with all the attention and the hype and the pub that Dylan Raiola is getting and the fact that he's a true freshman, it just makes it extra important to win over the team. I mean, stop for a second. Imagine being someone like Ty Robinson, who's got scars, visible and invisible for days with his four years at Nebraska. I mean, stop and think about someone like Ty Robbins. You've been through hell at Nebraska, right? Four straight losing seasons. You've had three different defensive coordinators, a couple of different position coaches. You've heard the noise from Nebraska fans and when Nebraska loses. You, we've all, we live it around here. This place isn't very fun when Nebraska struggles, right? Well, he's out there in, in the trenches with it. He's played hurt. He's worked. He's fought. True, legit, real blood, sweat, and tears invested into this thing. And here walks in this 18-year-old freshman quarterback who's never played a down at Nebraska and instantly the most famous player on the team, the face of the program, probably has the highest NIL deal, gets all the love and all the attention from the media and fans and the athletic director and other coaches and like I don't, I don't know if John Cook's rushing to go, you know, sit with Ty Robinson at the game or, you know. And if that, if that eighteen-year-old, true freshman, never played out, comes into workouts, comes into the locker room, and is a prima donna, arrogant, doesn't work hard, has an ego, isn't one of the guys, doesn't try to build a relationship, isn't all the way invested into everybody in that locker room from the fifth string corner that's a walk-on from Sydney, Nebraska to Ty Robinson himself. If that doesn't happen, if if that's how someone is, that's not going to land well or go well. And so I just, I've always, the true mark of leadership, whether it's a player or a coach, is the ability to get outside of yourself, rise above everything, and see the big view of it all. Okay, how, how is this perceived? How am I being perceived? What does that person think? How can I reach that group? Like, a part of being a leader is like, it's not about, it. it you have to get outside of you in order to make sure that everybody else is good. And the quarterback has to, like, exemplify that. Especially one that is getting, you know, getting the red carpet rolled out for him. And I so I just think the quarterback has to kind of sense all that. And I, I just think it's massively important that Dylan Raiola be conscious and aware of all of kind of what I'm laying out. And I think he will be. I think coming from a football family and an offensive lineman dad and an offensive lineman uncle, I think he will understand all of this. But that would be my number one piece of advice to him right now. Dylan, your number one goal from winter conditioning to the end of spring ball is to win over your teammates. For everybody, as they, when July hits and they're getting ready for fall camp and all that stuff, be like, man, Dylan Raiola is our guy. That's our, 
fucking guy. Works his ass off. One of the do one of the guys. And the way you do that isn't just through bullet quick slants or bootleg passes or 60-yard go routes that are on the money. You do that through being one of the guys working as hard or harder than everyone else, having no ego, and trying to build a relationship with your teammates. You do that, you've accomplished a huge goal of this offseason. I think Dylan Raiola has all the physical tools and physical talent in the world. And I talked about this in one of my last pods. But oftentimes, the biggest difference between a good and great quarterbacks isn't talent. Sure, there's a non-negotiable level of talent that has to be there. But oftentimes, the biggest difference between good and great quarterbacks is intangibles. And a part of intangibles is leadership, winning over your teammates, trust and respect from your teammates. That is all done in the invisible time from the public. All that is done right now. Now, I do think it maybe helps that he's gone to three different high schools, so he's had three different moments where he's had to walk into a new locker room where he's the new guy and he's got to... He, he, he's got to blend into the group, but yet be the leader of the group. That helps. Like when you've owned, when you've, you're playing, you've been in the same locker room with the same dudes and the same status and the same, all, that, that can, that can be different. All of a sudden you get into a locker room and it's totally different where you got to earn your stripes. You got to earn the trust. You got to go out of your way. It's not little Joey that you've known for 10 years and grew up with. That's, that's your left tackle. Right, I should say Big Joey if he's a left tackle, but you know what? you you get what I'm saying. The fact that he's had to he was in Arizona and had to get get with a new team and and become the leader there, and then he was in Georgia and he had to do the same thing there. That I think that equips him even more for this situation, at least on paper and in theory, it does. But either way, I to me, I just was thinking about that as he is, in my opinion, the face of the program, and with there's a price to pay for being the face. And the price he has to pay right now is making sure that he wins over every one of his teammates. Just food for thought, you do the dishes. A Heard at Sports Network production.